Ladies and gents, this is the moment you've been waiting for. A podcast for podcasters. This is Creating the Greatest Show. And I'm your host, Casey Cheshire. Join me as we interview podcast hosts and investigate the ingredients of a successful interview podcast. We'll talk mistakes, earned skills, powerful questions, and more. This show is sponsored by Ringmaster, completely done for you, B2B podcast production. Hey, we're doing it. Hey, we're finally doing it. My guest today is such a badass. She is amazing. I literally have already learned something from her before we even hit record. Sorry, uh, you'll miss that one, but don't miss the rest. It's coming up here. So good. Well, who is she, Casey? Well, tell me more. Serial entrepreneur, podcasting leader, and thought leader, speaker, 30 under 30, and professor. If that's not enough, she's been on a, be- a panel with Beyonce's dad. She has a cat named Charlie. She's been to 75 plus countries. Who is this person? Well, she is a professor at the University of Toronto teaching podcasting, and she is the founder and CEO at Quill and co-host Fatima Zaidi. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Casey. That's quite the intro. I've had a lot of people um, introduce me on shows and interviews before, but nothing quite like that one. So 10 out of 10, a Michael Jordan of moderation. Well, thank you. I'm glad you added the score because I could definitely have introduced you like no one else has ever done before, but I'd <laughs> yes. hope that'd be in a good way. Michael Jordan of moderation can only mean one thing. You know what, Michael Jordan? Have you have you used that before? Is that can I can I trademark that? Is that me? You know, you can totally trademark. Yeah, I've never used that before. It's, it's yours. Okay. Thank you. Well, since that, we're just gonna stop here because I think this is a ten out of ten podcast, shortest podcast in our history. No, we got to get into this. I'm so excited to learn from you. I've got my paper, and my pen ready. I can't wait to dive in. And you know, you're teaching classes on this thing. You are constantly around this. You're your apps, your products, your software, your service, all these things. So Fatima, pull back the curtain for us on your show and share your most important strategy for a great interview podcast. I feel like we'd need an hour to discuss like the do's and don'ts of podcasting. But I think to start, the one thing that I always tell every content creator or independent podcaster is the existence of your show is not enough in today's marketplace. You really need to invest the time, resources, budget to market your show and reach your qualified audience through paid and organic tactics. And specifically those that we know are proven and tested to actually move the needle in terms of audience growth. I mean, I think everyone does a really great job at social media promotion, newsletters, blogs, PR, but those are really great for brand awareness and engagement, but not necessarily actually converting into podcast downloads. So really knowing the distinction between the tactics and focusing your efforts on what you know is going to drive the needle. And then the second thing that I would say, and this is, you know, time and time again, podcasting is a marathon, not a sprint. If you're looking for instant gratification, this is not the right tactic for you. If you're looking to reach a mass, mass, if you're looking to reach a mass audience, then digital marketing is the way to go. But if you are looking to reach an engaged niche audience, then audio format content is is your strategy because uh, this is a way for you to create an intimate connection with a listener and be something to someone rather than everything to everyone. Those are the shows that end up doing the best. Awesome. Man, there's so much to unpack here. So first off, the existence is not enough. Just because you build it, they will not come 
why why do people do we just not care like are we just ignoring it or we think people will come organically what where does this come from well i think for starters it's like PR. It's a tenuous kind of ROI. People think the existence of their business is newsworthy and it's not. You have to go out there and create news. And just like you have to go out there and create news for pod, uh, for PR, and then in the same facet, when it comes to podcasting, you have to reach your qualified audiences to know that your show exists. I mean, if you're perusing through iTunes and Spotify and Google, there's millions of podcasts out there. And granted, only 18% of them are active. I think you still need to be able to reach a qualified audience that A, are podcast listeners, B, are your ideal listener profile based on location, age, demographic, psychographic information. Are they interested in your content? One of my favorite things about podcasts, especially branded shows, because that's the area that we specialize in, is that you're only going to reach podcasters or podcast listeners that are interested in your content. So your audience, no matter how big or how small, is highly relevant to be interacting with your brand or your show. And um, how are they going to know about you if you're not out there promoting your show and creating a killer brand for your podcast? Got it. You got to be out there. It's not enough to half-ass it and just create some kind of content. This is, especially if this is a branded show, we can't take that amateur approach to it and then just hope that it's a channel. You know, it reminds me of being a marketing leader and and having, you know, looking at someone's marketing ROI report and seeing someone say that the webinar was the, the lead source. And it's like, you didn't just magically create a webinar and people decided to attend it. They had to find out about it somehow. How did they find out about it? Same thing, it sounds like with podcasts. Okay, podcasts, cool, but how did they find out about it? Let's get the word out. Let's go after those channels and figure out where we go. So you mentioned the different kinds of aspects of getting there. What what really stands out to you in terms of like, if you want to grow your show, how are we doing that? Yeah, you know, it's really comical for me, the education that goes into explaining to clients why the ad spend and the marketing is so important. I mean, you really just hit the nail on the head. The first question I asked them is, when you were creating your blog, did you expect to not market your content? Did you expect that people would just all of a sudden overnight know about your your blog content and your articles that you're pushing out? Same sort of strategy for your video content series, whether it's a webinar on YouTube. The same concept yeah. sort of applies for podcasting here. And I would say that what I found in like the decade that I've been doing this in terms of what moves the needle is there's a combination and I'm, I'm happy to share those. The first is running ads on the listing platforms because you know you're acquiring podcast listeners. The folks that you're acquiring on the listing platforms like Spotify, like Overcast, like Player FM, those folks are already podcast listeners. So already you're weeding through the noise of people who aren't audio format consumers. Um, and then depending on the platform that you're on, you can actually target one step further based on age criteria, what competitive shows that they listening to, what country or location, if you are tied to geographic boundaries, um, then you can get even more granular. So that- Do you have a particular platform that you've seen work the best of all of these for this? If you're less bogged down by the number of conversions and care more about reaching the right listener and get very hyper-focused on targeting, I would say- Spotify Ad Studio actually probably has the best targeting metrics. It is Spotify. They've pumped a ton of revenue into infrastructure of building out the targeting metrics. Um, I would say in terms of conversions, what moves the needle the quickest is probably a Player FM, a CastBox. 
however, less qualified because they're not targeting based on all of these psychographic demographic stats. They're basically just saying, pick a location and play your offense case. You can't even do that. And we'll target to everyone in that particular category, which isn't necessarily, at least for our clients, it's not just about any listener. It's about a very qualified listener. So those tactics are good for growing your audience, but not necessarily um, the qualified way. Um, the other thing that I find works really well is banner ads. So in, like embedding your trailer or episodes into publications where your audience could live, whether it's the New York Times, TechCrunch, Adweek, Forbes. Um, that way you're acquiring users who are very much interested in your industry content. So you can get pretty targeted from that perspective as well. Um, there's a couple of companies in the industry that are doing a really great job on that front. Um, and then I would say these are just a couple of the paid tactics. There are so many yep. organic ones that you should be looking at. Mm. You should be applying to podcast awards. Quail actually has an awards category you should check out. That was my shameless plug. Uh, highly recommend applying to Apple's placement form because they do pick up your shows for new and noteworthy if they think your content is uh, is is valuable. And and we've actually had about 20, 25% of our clients convert for Apple. Apple's new and noteworthy, and that generally really does drive the needle. Uh, converting your transcripts into blogs for SEO purposes, um, audiograms, and, and making sure that you're maximizing distribution. Uh, and then, of course, working with an ad network, if you can afford to, to do cross-promo ads. Uh, Bob Kane's company, or the company he works at, Advertise Cast, does a really great job at that. And there's a few in the, in the States that I would recommend in terms of... Um, advertising vendors for those ad slots. Got it. Okay. Fantastic. So it is a balance of organic and paid. Do you ever see people just trying to get away with going organic and not putting the budget? 90%, I would say, of podcasters will will stick to the organic. And and I understand why, you know, it is a tough industry right. because, you know, it's like how if you're not monetizing on your show and it's a marathon, not a sprint, then how can you justify large volumes of um, ad spend being allocated, which is one of the reasons why branded shows grow so much quicker because they can afford to accelerate growth through paid media spend. Um, so I really do feel for podcasters and understand why they would stick to community forums and cross-promo swaps and those organic tactics that sometimes take a little bit longer but still move the needle slowly over time. Just yeah. means that it's going to take you a little bit longer to get there, but that doesn't mean that you won't get there. Um, I think if you can maybe even set a little bit of budget aside, there are definitely ways you can move the needle faster. Like Spotify's minimum ad spend requirement is $250, which is a little bit different from like, I believe Player FM is $2,000. So, you know, there is quite a bit of a discrepancy in terms of what you can and can't afford. Okay. Um, I, tot I totally see that. I want to I kind of go back to one of the things you were talking about when we highlighted branded shows. Could you differentiate for us a regular podcast from a branded show? Did you know, Casey, this is probably the number one question that I get asked in podcast interviews. People have a well, really... I didn't ask it first. <laughs> <laughs> People have a really hard time understanding the difference between a podcast and a branded podcast. And to be honest, I'm still trying to figure it out because I feel like <laughs> it's not really defined properly in the industry. The way that I understand the distinction between the two is Podcasts that are generally created by independent content creators, and they would fall into that category, doesn't necessarily, it's not tied to a personal brand, a thought leadership concept, or a company. 
um, okay. you're creating content because you want to entertain and educate people. Um, and it can be in any format. Branded show is typically associated or tied to the brand of an organization um, or a brand or an influencer of sorts. And you are essentially a thought leader, a subject matter expert. And most of the time, branded shows generally fall into the interview format categories. Not always. There are some really great branded shows that are a narrative format, but generally speaking, if you're trying to educate and become a thought leader, it falls into the interview category. And so that to me is a distinction between the two. There's a brand behind it type of thing. Exactly. You're not an independent content creator telling a story, but you're like a corporation. Yeah. And hopefully that doesn't make it more boring once you hit play. Well, you that's, yeah, that's the challenge, right? If you're an agent yeah. working with corporations, I mean, we're, that's the biggest struggle for us is we wear the hat of, is this engaging for a podcast listener? And they want to tell their story on open banking. So it's like, well, how do you make open banking exciting for the everyday consumer? That's our job. Mm, gotcha. Talk to me about how you balance that. You've got your corporate taskmasters and you've got your audience dying to listen or not, and you spend all this time and effort getting them organically or through paid to get them to listen and how you balance keeping the clients happy, keeping the brand happy while also trying to serve the audience. Who who wins that? So actually, the, the thing that I love about this job is your audience will very quickly tell you if your content is crap, very quickly. So it doesn't matter if you have, it doesn't matter how much budget your brand has, for ad spend, if you do not have good content, the listeners will not come. And they may convert for like five minutes or 10 minutes, but your average consumption rate is going to be terrible. And so where the analytics that we're measuring, you know, downloads and, and listeners is like maybe 1% of the analytics that matters to us. We're very focused on like the loyal listeners, the repeat listeners, the engagement metrics, where are the drop-offs happening? And so um, very quickly, we will know if the content isn't resonating with listeners. And our job is to, yes, the client needs to feel heard, like their story is being told, but it can be done in a way with a creative format that will resonate with people. So for example, we had a bank approach us a couple of years ago. They're still a client and they wanted to create a finance. I'm not kidding. They wanted to create a financial services podcast. It was like they thought people would come and listen to a podcast about banking. And our team was very quick to be like, no, you will not get an audience with this type of podcast. But the the department that they really wanted to promote within the bank was cybersecurity. They were branching mm -hmm. to new services and they wanted to promote their cybersecurity initiatives so they could be well-known in that category. And so we decided to create a podcast that covers everyday people who are impacted by cybersecurity and crime. So it's an investigative series format with everyday people who are dealing with identity theft, identity fraud, computer hacking, whatever it could be. So we would interview an, an, an expert as well as interview victims and talk about how people can protect themselves against cybercrime. That format was very similar to Reply All. Uh, with their own little spin on it, but people totally. actually resonated and listened to the podcast. They had hundreds of thousands of listeners tuning in because it was actually an entertaining show. And by virtue, they really enhanced their brand awareness and brand value. So my argument to brands is always, if you tell a good story and tell a good podcast, the brand aspect of it will follow. You don't have to sit there and bark sales up and down in a content show in order to actually drive engaged listeners. 
do you get those companies wanting to put ads in, in the middle of the storytelling that you're creating for them? Sometimes I would say for the most part, um, ads is not a huge priority for our clients because they're not a interested in monetization and they're not interested in external companies coming in to advertise their products and services because revenue isn't a priority for them. Um, yeah. However, they do utilize those pre-roll, mid-roll, post-roll slots for their own internal product placements and promotions. So a lot of our clients will utilize the ad slots, but for their own company. So here's an initiative that's happening or here's some give back philanthropic work that we're doing or, you know, we're hiring for XYZ role and they do utilize those slots, just not in the traditional way that most podcasters do. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, you, you know, you're in it to get your audience. And so use those spots wisely, use them for your, your own conversions, your own intent, your own purposes. So tell me real quick about uh, you, you sort of like you touched on this ever so briefly and, and my ears just perked right up because you said, that downloads and listens are just a fraction of the metrics that are really important and worth tracking. And you started talking through several more of those. What are those ones that are really the, you know, the, the KPIs, if you will, the ones that make the most impact? I think that the industry, like one of our biggest pain points and the most like area of opportunity for us right now is the fact that all podcasters seem to care about is how many listeners they have and not enough care about the cost per minute of human attention, the engagement metrics, the demographic and psychographic information of their listeners. Are they tuning in every week? Are they giving you feedback? Are they engaged with your content? Is there a loyal community behind your show? Uh, those are the metrics that matter way more to us. And actually, we, Quill has worked for years with Fortune 500 to 1000 brands on creating their audio content. So we work with the big four, the banks, big tech companies. Sure. And a few years ago, we realized that we were having such a hard time getting access to the data that we needed to justify a ROI and then also justify the creation of new seasons and production budgets, at least to do it properly, that we needed to launch some sort of an analytics tool that was able to give us the, the metrics that I just talked about, which is like age, right. gender, household income, occupation of the listener, what companies are listening to your podcast, where are the drop-offs happening, where are they coming in from, is Facebook ads working, is Spotify ad studio working, like where are the downloads coming in from so we can prioritize our time. Those were the type of KPIs that we needed and weren't getting. So that's actually why we built Co-host. We were, um, it was a pain point for our agency. We were the customers and so many hosting platforms and analytics tools out there have a product, but they've never actually launched or created a podcast. In our case, we that's all we did. And we realized that there was a need for this tool. He needed that extra data. And what, what happens when you do get so fixated on downloads on individual listen numbers? I mean, I think when you get fixated on that, you're really not thinking about leveling up your content. So for example, if you have somebody who drops off in the first five or 10 minutes of your podcast, but your average consumption rate is, if you're, they still constitute as a download or a listener if they're dropping off in the first five or 10 minutes. But if your average consumption rate is less than 75%, it means they're not engaged with your content. And so ultimately, the whole reason that people should launch content is they're trying to add value or entertain in some format. And Val the value is in content being great and you needing to level up to constantly provide and give back to your audience for their attention and their time. Without 
focusing on those engagement metrics and listening to what your audience is telling you about your show, you're not going to do a service in terms of the value that you're trying to provide back. It's like building your business. If you're not listening to your customers and listening to their feedback, then ultimately that's not going to be a long lasting, sustainable um, business longevity. And the same goes for your podcast. I mean, you can't really monetize on a show or even grow your show if you're not going to be providing content that is resonating with folks. And so it's a dangerous thing to be just bogged down by the number of downloads and listeners because getting them there is one thing, but then keeping them on is arguably the most important. And if you do all that time, you spend all that time and effort to get them there and then they listen for less than five minutes, you know, it reminds me of good old website churn. You know, this is someone getting to your site and bouncing and Yes, it counted as a visit or a hit, if you will. But man, they're probably not coming back if they didn't get what they wanted. And so you might be distracted by what could be really a vanity metric. Maybe it's a you know, directional metric, but it's not the end-all be-all. So totally. I, I love the idea of just looking at the bigger picture and, and also the, the metrics that get out in front. It's not a lagging. It's a, like a leading indicator to know, did people stick around to consume your content? So you don't have to ask them, did you like it? You can just look at the stats. Co-hosts can show you, hey, they do like your content because for some reason, they kept listening to you for an hour. 100%. That's actually something we're working on right now on co-host is to display loyal listeners, binge listeners, and new listeners over a short period of time. So you can actually write from your analytics page, be able to get a, an engagement score. And that engagement wow. score is what folks should be bogged down by, not the number of downloads and listeners. So what what do you do? What goes on in your mind if you see some of those stats and they are showing some early bounces? They're showing that people are not sticking around for content, whether it's a show you've created or you're hosting and you can see these stats. What's your next thought? That we haven't created a show that's marketable. Uh, we can drive people in, but they're not staying, in which case we know that editorial needs a lot of work and our producers need to overturn the content. And usually, you know, where the drop-offs are happening can can tell you a lot. If it's happening in the first 15 minutes, the first 10 minutes, the first five minutes, the the last 10 minutes of your show, um, and, and then measuring that data over a set number of episodes to be able to draw those trends and patterns. Essentially, it just means that, you know, your content needs an overhaul in the concept or format that you're sort of displaying isn't resonating with the audience that you're intending to reach. And so either the audience needs to change or the content needs to change. It's one of two simple. It's actually very simple when you dissect the data. And I mean, I think we already have a head start in podcasting because 94% of people who generally start an audio format episode end up listening to the whole thing, whereas a 30-minute video only has a 12% completion rate. And so if people are dropping off in the first 10 minutes and you know your content's got to change. Say that stat for me one more time. What yeah, percent? 94% of people who start a podcast episode end up listening to the entire episode, whereas the 30-minute video only has a 12% completion rate. Okay, 94% who start, what, an hour-long podcast? At 30 minutes was the, it was the stat, was the research study that, yeah, that was the study that I was reading. It was 30 minutes. Love that. And then what was the second number? A 30-minute video only has a 12% completion rate. And I mean, uh, it's very clear to me why you can be driving to work and listening to a podcast, but you can't be watching a 
Netflix show. You can be walking your dog and listening to a podcast, but you can't be reading an article. It's like one of the few mediums where you can be actively engaged in another activity. So why wouldn't you finish the entire episode? You're not distracted. In fact, being engaged with a monotonous task increases engagement rather than hurts engagement. So, you know, 100%. it's not available. That that medium is not available or time is not available to other advertisers like PR or content blogging or video or digital marketing. So you really got to maximize your output there. You know, I hate doing the dishes and I was doing the dishes last night and you're damn straight. I had a podcast going on in there to help ease the pain of that monotonous task that I had to do. Yep. Yep. I was actually getting interviewed yesterday um, by a publication and and they asked, um, when do you love listening to podcasts? And I said, 100% 100% at the gym. And the fittest I have ever been in my life was when Serial Season 1 came out in 2014. It was like... Did he do it or not? Um, I don't think he did. And I mean, he's already been acquitted. So I think... Oh, he has been acquitted. Yes, he's been acquitted. Yes. Um, he's officially free. Uh, it was Season 2 was not as good as Season 1. Season 3 no, was amazing. But... I, okay, I never got to 3 because I literally bounced after like 5 minutes of 2. But I loved Season 1. Yeah, he, he, so he has been acquitted. Well, season one is what made podcasting a household name. Sarah is like yeah. an absolute genius. And they named it after the kind of podcast that it is, Serial. I it, mean, it's like brilliant. It's so, so good, so good. She was, there's a combination and concoction of all amazing things. It was like a new category that she introduced, which is so hard to do. There was very little marketing budget, which a lot of people don't under, realize or understand. So, so that in itself was like an obstacle. It was a, a story that, you know, was about, I, I, I would say that it's stories like this happen all the time in the U.S. Like why this story? I think it comes down to so many different things, but that podcast was so well-timed and positioned to become a household name. And I, I credit a lot of the industry uh, moving forward to her in that show. It, yeah, and it, I think we had a lot of, listening availability during that time and and yeah if you have those listening if you haven't listened to serial season one we'll link to it in the show notes but it's just a classic serial podcast could you talk to me about that the idea of the ongoing show versus the seasons the serial podcast with a definitive start and end marching toward a destination what are you seeing in the branded world so I think that every podcast should be broken up into seasons, similar to a Netflix show, an Apple, a Prime show. And the reason being, and you can pick the number of episodes that you want your season to be, but I like the idea of a start and an end because I think it gives podcasters the opportunity to do an autopsy at the end of the season on what went well, what didn't get, go well, what are the areas of opportunity so they can come back for a new season and come back bigger and better. I mean, that's why shows create seasons. I mean, we don't see um, House of Dragons creating an indefinite number of episodes. I mean, unless you're Santa Barbara, Bold and Beautiful, which still still seems to be going, or The Simpsons. Most or The shows, Office. <laughs> yeah, or The Office. Most shows have a definitive start and end because right. you want to be able to evolve the storyline, come back with a rebrand, evolve your formats, evolve or change your host, the guests, the structure. And you can't do that if all you're focused on is pumping out content. And so starting something and having an end date allows you to look at your analytics, look at what's working well, and think about how you're going to come back bigger, better, or different for the next show. So I'm a big fan of seasons and our clients always have seasons. 
do you do you make like if it's a weekly show, do you make that like a fifty-two episode season, that kind of a thing? So gen- make it shorter. Generally speaking, because our clients are usually like CEOs, founders, C-suite executives, they're very busy. Our posting yeah. cadence is usually bi-weekly or monthly. Um, and then usually they'll sign up for like a 10 episode series, which is about five months of content runway. There's like no hard or fast formula, but I would say that there's actually no data to support publishing weekly as opposed to bi-weekly or monthly impacts your audience growth. What matters more is consistency. So if you do pick a posting cadence, whether it's weekly, every Wednesday or every second Wednesday at 5 a.m., you have to stick to that posting cadence. 100%. I have some favorite shows where something happens and come Friday afternoon, I'm like, where is it? Where is it? Where, where is it? Is it? Like, would we forgive um, Game of Thrones if they didn't drop House of Dragons at 9.30 p.m. on Sunday evening? No, we would be absolutely livid. I know Riverdale's coming out on Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Why is it any different in podcasting? I think it's such a rookie mistake when podcasts will publish on a Wednesday at 2 p.m. one day and then two weeks later decide to publish on a Thursday at 4 p.m. Well, how are you supposed to build a relationship with your listener and build those patterns without any sort of consistency? Damn. Yeah, you you want to you create, I mean, if it's got engaging content, you want to feed that addiction, feed that habit formation, make it, make it something they can look forward to. Totally. And the ones who become loyal followers are guaranteed, like you just said, waiting on the day for the content to drop and they are looking forward to it. And not seeing your content drop is a surefire way of losing your audience to a different competitive show. 100%. And you just vote with your ears. Click, click. There we go. Off to <laughs> another show. Um, you mentioned that some of your clients are CEOs and, you know, we're talking branded podcasts. Uh Riddle me this, Batman. Uh, how often are you seeing the CEO executive host their own podcast or is it somebody else doing it for them? And what differentiates the two for you if you had to recommend one? So I would say about 30% of our clients will bring in an external host and we're usually responsible for finding that host, a, a media personality and a celebrity, an influencer of sorts that is like well-positioned within their industry or vertical. Um, so that's about 30% of our clients. And usually they'll pick an external host because A, they want some sort of clout or notability around their podcast or B, yeah. they simply don't have the bandwidth or resourcing in-house. A lot of these organizations are just too busy and taking on a podcast and doing it well, even with a production agency, is a lot of work. Um, about 70% of our clients will find somebody internally because they want somebody at their organization representing their brand in a podcast, which makes sense if you're telling your brand story who better to do it than somebody who actually works at the organization? Right. It's a bit of an art and science because with those, we don't want them to turn into vanity projects and we don't want it to become, mm-hmm. you know, like a, a, exactly like a vanity show. It's about the content. And so we, we have a whole team dedicated to media training and, you know, you're not the expert. You might be interviewing an expert or telling a story about an expert in narrative format, but your job is to drive the best conversation, not make yourself look good. The podcast will inadvertently do that when you build a relationship with your audiences. So that's our job. If you're going to be an internal representative or a spokesperson, we have to media train you so you understand that like TV interviewing or media training is very different from being a podcast moderator. 
And you mentioned that, you know, it's not about you. What kind of things, like if you had to emphasize one thing to the host, what would that, to the brand new host, what would that be? I would say follow the ball is like one concept that I talk about a lot internally. And that is when a conversation is going somewhere interesting, do not stick to your script, which I find that oftentimes a lot of CEOs and founders who are not comfortable with hosting or have never done it before feel like they have to stick to key messaging the way you do in PR and public relations and media relations. We do provide very detailed episode plans and scripts, but the best content and conversations are when you go rogue and you're authentic and you can probe and ask those controversial, hard-hitting, difficult questions. You don't want to create content that already exists out there. And so um, I would say that that's generally the first rule of thumb with media training is follow the ball. The conversation is going somewhere off script. Don't stick to your key messaging. Go there because you never know what you're going to find. Um, and it's not about you. It's about, it's about the conversation you're having. Love that. The idea of following the ball. Uh, I have a marketing podcast where it has some milestones, a little more scripted. I learned how to follow the ball there. This particular show, man, we have one question and then it's nothing but ball, which can be a little scary for uh, for new podcasters. But it can also be more fun because things you didn't even plan to speak about or totally. neither of us thought to. I mean, we had some great prep conversations, but we I think we've gotten to some great places with this. And then you say, you know, make sure you ask those hard hitting questions. So Fatima, who should not have a podcast? No. Oh my goodness. There's there's a very long list of people who should not be podcasting. Really? Yes. I would say um if you are creating a podcast because it's a vanity project or you're trying to make yourself look good you should not have a podcast. Um, hire a PR agency to help build your thought leadership profile, get you on speaking stages and media interviews. Don't create a podcast because it's all about connecting with one listener at a time uh, through valuable, inspiring, engaging content. So that would be at the top of my list. The, the vanity projects really bother me. Um, have you ever worked with anyone like that? We have. And Accidentally? We have, yeah. We, that's how I know. Um, you learn yeah, from your mistakes. I have too. <laughs> yes, it's it's and you know it's inevitable at an agency, and it's actually something that we've now worked into our like kickoff process and like during the proposal stages when we're trying to assess fit for whether a client is going to be a good fit for our agency. Um, we always ask what is the business objective that this is going to serve, and if they can't give you a proper answer, it generally means it's a vanity project. Uh, I once had someone straight up just tell me, "I need you to make me more famous." Yes. Yes. And it wasn't until afterward that I realized that's what that category fit. Yes. That was that was them saying, very project. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. Move to LA, move to Hollywood, get an agent, <laughs> do not start a podcast. If it was right. that easy to become famous, everybody would be starting a podcast. Right. Right. And, and any of the famous people with podcasts were famous and then they got a podcast. So <laughs> yeah. that's how that journey went. Um, incredible, incredible. So tell me more. Like, co-host. How do we get involved? Should anyone be hosting there? Should we move all of our podcasts? Everyone listening to this, <laughs> they all have a host at this point. We should all move over. So I would say if you're using Anchor or analytics don't matter to you um, or your budget is $5 a month for hosting and, and you just you know are putting out limited content, then we're probably not the right hosting platform for you. Our price point is $29 a month. 
Um, and it, we would be right for anybody. We obviously primarily built this for companies that are podcasting, but over right. time have evolved in a lot of professional podcasters and producers use us. And in agencies where like agencies are our biggest clientele, where for anybody where analytics is important and they want better insights on who is listening to their show and how they're responding to their podcasts. So that could be anyone. That doesn't have to be a brand or a corporation. Um, we do things like automatic transcriptions. So you don't have to pay for third party softwares like Trent and Rev. Uh, we have tracking links. We replace Chartable's tracking link process um, and improved upon it. We do demographic data, corporation data, so you can find sponsors and advertisers through the list of companies listening to your show. There's a whole slew of uh, metrics that we provide. So if that data is important to you, then you would be the right fit for co-host. But if you know, you're not really looking at your analytics, you don't really care about your analytics, you're doing this for fun, and you don't want to spend $30 a month, then we're you know, you're, you're better off with an anchor or Libsyn. Yeah. Anchor's free. Knock yourself out uh, there, but you might knock yourself out. So I would yes. say $29 is completely reasonable. Uh, there are some plenty, there are plenty of unreasonable numbers uh, for platforms. And that is completely reasonable, especially for all the metrics you just mentioned. And I think one of the big takeaways for me from this episode, and for those listening might be around that idea of let's not get stuck on tracking one metric. It's not just your downloads. Totally. There's some more important things out there. And if I could get that for $29 a month, you know, come on. Totally. That's exactly it. So if you are interested, hit us up for a demo. Pretty easy to find us, cohostpodcasting.com. And you can always reach out to me as well. And, and I'm on all of the channels except for TikTok. Yeah. So link to uh, no TikTok for you, huh? Not, no TikTok for me because I don't want to go down another content rabbit hole or wasting time. It's like viral. That content is so addictive. Um, I totally. can see why like the app is like so prevalent everywhere, but I am on every other channel. So LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, um, Reddit. You can reach me anywhere. Hell yeah. Man, Fatima, this has been so much fun. I know we've like waited a little bit and we rescheduled and we finally got this thing connected, but I'm so happy to be able to carve out some time and sit down with you and and learn from you. This has been super fun. So Thank much you. fun. Thank you so much for having me. You're, again, I stick to it. You're the Michael Jordan of moderation and uh, I really appreciate you having me on. There it is. There it is. Now I got to work on spinning <laughs> basketball. Once I get that figured out, I got the brand set. Uh, amazing. For those listening, if you learn something, and I freaking know you did because I literally have two pages of notes over here, front and back, then share this with someone else. Be a thought leader to one person, 9,000 people three people, whatever the number, put your spin on it. What did you learn? What was your takeaway? Tag us in LinkedIn. We'll, we'll hop in there, hit those comments up. Uh, but yeah, share these things with other people. That's thought leadership. And again, Fatima, thank you again. This, you are the best. You are so smart. I can see why you're a professor. Thank you, yeah. professor. <laughs> Thanks, Casey. <laughs> All right, everyone. This has been another crazy episode of Creating the Greatest Show. We will see you all next time.